Josh last night as we brought this table up. I said, I want to tell you something. Now, these tables, this table and benches are built to last. I turned them upside down. I said, I want you to see all of the Craig jig screws that go into the main top and then into the apron and into everything's tied together. Built to last. <clears throat> I, well, I won't go there. But anyway, <laughs> nonetheless, uh, it is built to last. Now, the thing is, I had to intentionally build it to last. I could have used cheap, thin, skinny wood and little bitty screws that didn't have no bite, and it would have had a hard time holding Brother Richard, <clears throat> our host. <laughs> but now that we decided to, to build it the way it ought to be built, it don't have no problem holding Brother Josh. Are y'all with me? Say amen. I can pick on staff members. What are they going to do? I sign a check, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> He's my buddy. He, know, he knows the deal. I mean, he got and told a joke one day and said, I'm in shape. Round is a shape. <laughs> so anyway, uh, enough about uh, Pastor Josh, and uh, let's move on with it. But I, I do invite you and say, if you don't know me, I'm lead pastor here, Mike Sains, and I'm talking about our Built to Last series, and of course, it deals with our marriage and I want you to know that marriage is the fundamental building block of human civilization. Uh, all mar you know, and marriage is the foundation of our family. It is, uh, it's kind of like when we built this building, uh, they determined that there had to be a certain depth of the footers, had to have certain size steel, uh, rebar that went through it. He said, because for this foundation to hold this structure, it's got to be built a certain way. And society is built, if you will, largely on how well and how solid, how founded our marriages are. And so the Institute of Marriage is unquestionably good for we as individuals and society. The health of our culture is intimately linked to the health of our and the well-being, if you will, of our marriage. Unfortunately, the, the standard of a lifelong traditional marriage as the foundation of the family in this nation and around the world is coming under attack. Very rarely do you see anyone married 20 years or 30 years or 40 or 50. You know, most of that is going away, and I hate to say that, but it's battered by high divorce rates cohabitation, um, unwed childbearing. Now, listen, I'm not throwing stones. Listen, I have, uh, I have all of these things that I mentioned that touch my very own family. So listen to me. I'm speaking just the Word of God and, and things to help us in our marriage and building it to last. But, but the things that I mentioned are contributing factors to the destruction of marriage. Uh, the push for the same-sex marriage and civil unions. Marriage is in a state of, a biblical definition of marriage is in a state of crisis right now around the world. So let me just lay this out and then you can, you can take it from there. Recent cultural changes without historical precedent have influenced an increasing number of Americans to view the fundamental institution of marriage as optional that we don't really have to do it, and it's kind of disposable, and it's even open to redefinition. Now, that being said, as far as I'm concerned, the government could get out of our marriages, and all that has to do is paying them money anyway to give us a, a certificate. 
But that's just my take, and I'll move on. But in the context of the marital decline and the political and ideological raging right now, marriage is viewed as some sort of a transient human invention that's ready for updating and for a revisit of def defining and so forth. And You know, the natural, the fundamental definition is uh, up for editing according to the way the world looks at it. So the erosion of marriage and its importance is going to continue until the church takes a stand. You know who the church is made up of? The church is made up of families. The church can only do what the people who make up the church. See, the church, there's a word, ecclesia, the called out ones. You see, uh, we are the ones that take a stand that, that we eventually write what the church stands for or stands against. Are you with me? Say amen. There are certain things in your life that are never going to change. I told a leader the other day because they were facing some issues with some downline people and it never changed and they always had to deal with it. And I hope this goes away. hope this stops. And I just looked them in the eye and said, let me tell you something. The behavior is not going to change until you look them in the eye and say, this is unacceptable. That's how it is. Things do not change until you address it. I'm not saying be mean-spirited about it. I'm simply saying you got to address it. And, and same way in society. If the church continues to cower down and just any kind of thing just goes, if we don't stand on something, the country music singer said we'll fall for anything. You see, there are certain things that's worth taking a stand for. You see, I get to choose my battles and you get to choose yours. But it's time that we take a godly stand against the forces that are fighting us. Let me take, for instance, our, the, the, the attack last night in London. Did you know, yeah, and I know you may or may not be, it's not a political statement. Again, I, I find myself in this craziness, so take it or leave it. Here's the deal. We have a freedom of religion. I love that constitutional right. I love that. You can be a Muslim if you want to be. You can be a Baptist. You can be Church of God, Assembly of God, or nothing. <clears throat> Doesn't matter. Freedom of religion. But in my opinion, just one man's opinion, once that religion propagates hate and killing, it cannot be tolerated any longer. I am not free to practice my religion if it means killing you or your children. It should not be. And I don't care if it's here or in France or London or wherever else. Somebody has got to take a stand, and it's going to have to be some politicians with some guts to say, yeah, we love you, and you can worship how you want to, but the moment you throw a rock at somebody or set a bomb off of somebody, we're going to go into your mosque or into your churches and find out the ideology that you are preaching. That was not in the notes. It's free. It's just, it's part of it. But I said that to say this. Somebody has got to take a stand. Listen, brothers, if somebody was breaking in your house and you heard them in the middle of the night and you got up, it ain't time to sit there and wonder what is on Channel 4. It's not time to wonder if the slow cooker is doing good. It's time to find the pistol and get up and go see who's coming in. So... But the church has got to take a stand because this country is moving more and more and more away from marriage. They are increasingly anti-marriage. And then laws are passed that sort of promote people staying unmarried because they're going to lose benefits if they get married. 
So it's time to stand against the work of the devil. It's time to stand against the modern philosophy that flies in the face of God. Let me say this. The ultimate authority is the Word of God. It's not the government. It's not the Constitution. It's not what your family thinks or even my family thinks. It's what, what, it's what God thinks. So here in Ephesians, I want to take you there to Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, I'd really like, if it's possible, to back up to verse 21. Is that possible? Is it possible on the fly, maybe? <laughs> But uh, y'all forgive Pastor for this, but nonetheless, if we start on verse 21 there, and while he's finding that, we'll, we'll talk about Paul is talking to the, the husbands and the wives, and he's making a comparison now of, uh, he says, this is how Christ loved the church. And if Christ loved the church like this, he says, this is the example that I want Everybody else, he says, brothers, I want you to love your wives this way. So here we go. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, we'd like to just leave that period and say, all right, line it up, ladies. Right? <clears throat> For the husband is the head of the wife. Hallelujah. Somebody said, I know I heard Brother Glenn saying hallelujah. As also Christ is the head of the church, he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, verse 25, therefore love your wives. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Next verse. Uh, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her, he says, with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that he should be holy and without blemish. So watch this, verse 28. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Now, brothers, I know some of y'all, man, you're going to take care of yourself. You even go to the tanning bed to present your body brown and pretty. Some of y'all, I've seen you, I don't know, but... You make sure them fingernails, and I can't bring myself to go get the manicure, but I'm not knocking you. I have thought about the pedicure. I thought that might feel good, and my son told me, son, you do that. You ain't my daddy. Now, I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know all that stuff in the bank. They said, husbands, you ought to love your own wives just like you love your own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. So if you don't love your wife, you don't even love yourself, he says. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it and cherishes it. Just as the Lord does the church, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife. Did you hear that? A man leaves his father and mother, joined to his wife, and these two shall become one, one flesh. This is a great mystery, he says, but I speak concerning Christ and his church. He's drawing a comparison here, an analogy between a husband and a wife and Christ and his church. He says it's a great mystery. He says, verse 33, Nevertheless, I uh, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So you know what he was doing? He would jab with the right and then he would hook with the left. Y'all with me? Husbands, wives. Husbands, why? Are y'all with me? I know y'all was waiting on the knockout, right? And <laughs> see which one done that. We'll, we'll get there sometime later. We're going to learn how to fight next week. But listen, Calvary is the place where Jesus Christ took a stand. Against, uh, he took a stand against Satan, a stand against sin, and, and a stand against the world. And he stood up for you and I. He stood up for his church. 
You see, there's two subtle extremes that happen in marriages. And, and it allows things to go on right up under our nose and it goes under our radar and we don't even catch it. The one is criticism. Scholars, uh, people that study this say that it often comes from the wife. Now, I promise you, ladies, that, that right there was, was kind of the jab. We're going to get the hook in just a minute, so hold on. He said a lot of times criticism comes from the wife because she feels like she's invested more into the marriage. I want to tell you something this morning. Criticism has never changed a marriage, not one bit. But it has been used to plant hopelessness and division in millions of marriages. Then the other subtlety that happens, and this is the one, brothers, for you, is passivity. Most often the husband believes that the marriage relationship will just sort of magically take care of itself. Huh? All right, it'll be all right. It'll be okay. Men, it's time for us to wake up and smell the coffee. A happy marriage is no accident. Sometimes you just got to work at it, work at it, and work at it. Hello? Man, I've been sanding floors and staining floors. I was happy with the concrete. But my wife wanted wood floors. So I had to sand and cut and stain. She done most of the staining and all that other stuff. But anyway, we have to stand for something or, or we're going to fall for anything. Let me say this. The marriage cannot stand on feelings or emotions because feelings and emotions are fleeting. You get up one morning, you look around, and the sun is bright and it's beautiful, and you pull the curtain back, and there she is, and she's gorgeous. And, man, you're just having a great day. And then uh, in a couple days, you open the mailbox, and some bad news comes. And if you don't have $1,500 tomorrow, they're coming to get both vehicles. Oh, I doubt that y'all are fixing to open a box of chocolates and just, oh, hallelujah, I just love you so much. Let's just jump in the bed and, no, no, I doubt that's going to happen. Hey, we at church, ain't we? Yeah. Your marriage cannot stand on feelings or emotions. Your marriage cannot stand on physical attraction. Uh-oh. You know why? Because Father Time can be cruel to us. Now, now, I know oil of Olay and the magic oils and whatever the latest game out there, the latest product, you can spray it on, you can rub it on, you can even shower in it. But one day, gravity's going to win, and it's going to pull on your cheeks long enough, there's going to be some laugh lines and some wrinkles. Are you hearing me? Say amen. And one day, this old body is going to go back to the dirt. Gravity will win. It'll pull us back down from whence we came. So our marriage cannot stand on our physical attraction. You know, I heard a story. Uh, after, um, soon after their child left home for college, a man and a woman was laying on the couch together. His wife was laying in his lap, and she looked up at him, and he reached down and pulled her glasses off of her head. And he said, you know, honey, he said, without your glasses, you look like the same young girl that I married. All them years ago. And she said, honey, without my glasses, you don't look bad either. <laughs> you see, your marriage cannot stand on just mutual agreement. You're going to have some humdinger fights. You're going to have some fights where, listen, you know what my tendency is? Just be done with it. Go to sleep. But... I, it's the aggravatingest thing in the world, but your wife wants to stay up and fix it if it's like mine. 
we got to stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning. Thank God most of these are gone now. These are, I hope I don't have no more of these. But I have had them where I was tired and disgusted, and I didn't want to talk about anything. I just said, you're too hard-headed, period. I want to go to sleep. But she says, we got to work this out. And then the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And what do you do when you got the Bible on her side? Then you got to try to talk. <laughs> right? Preaching to the preacher and stuff like that. So anyway, anyway. So what I'm saying is this. It cannot stand on emotion. It cannot stand on physical attraction. It cannot stand on mutual agreement. Your marriage must stand on the Word of God. We have to believe the Word of God. You see, God is the author of the marriage contract. He's the one that gets to set the parameters. He's the one that gets to set the rules. Are you with me? Say amen. So listen, it has to stand on the Word of God. We have to honor the Word of God. That is the best and, and uh, your best opportunity to have a successful marriage, to build it to last. The Bible said you could build something on the sand, and when the wind comes, it's going to destroy it. Or you could build something on the rock. I would submit the rock that is Jesus Christ, the stone that the builders rejected that has become the chief of the corner. Give him praise. So... What I need you to know today simply is this. In order for your marriage to be built to last, you got to build it to last. It just don't happen that, well, I got married and everything's hunky-dory. No, no, attraction will get you for a few months. Man, she's just so pretty, I'll do anything in the world. Hello? You know, man, he's just such a hunk. I, I, I'm just so glad I caught him. And then in six months, you're ready to kill him. You see, but, but you have to make a declaration uh, to take a stand, and that declaration is this. Here's the first one. I have made a vow to God and my spouse. So in order to understand this, you've got to understand, I've made a vow to God, and I made a vow to my spouse. And the Bible says it's better not to ever make a vow than to make one and break it. You ain't politicians here. You, you're talking about getting married. Hello? Married, it means that I've made a vow to God. I said, till death us do part. And for many of you, it's till death we do part. Because that's the number one killer of marriages. You know that when people get in debt over their head. Let me just say this right now. Young people get married nowadays and they want to live like their mom and daddy that have been married 20 and 25 years. They're not making near the money they're making. They're trying to keep up with the Joneses and the Joneses are bankrupt. Living from credit card to credit card to credit card. Listen, let me tell you something, friend. If you want your marriage to last, don't get in financial trouble. And if you're already there, do your dead level best to get out. If you do that, you got a 50% better chance of making it in your marriage. Oh, uh, so let me go on. Um, it, it's a vow that I've made. You know, I know it don't mean nothing to Hollywood. It's just disposable. I've been to Vegas. I was out there in 1988, man. You can get married on this corner and divorced on the next corner. You can get it annulled. You can be married three times by the time you get across town. You see, society has just so messed up the meaning of marriage, and we live in a generation of vow breakers with reset buttons. You know, we're playing video games. We just don't like it. We're losing. So, oh, reset, bam, start over. And we say, well, we'll just throw her out the window and get another one, reset, throw him out. 
I mean, dating.com or wherever it is, oldmen.com, farmers only. I don't know wherever you're going. But you find somebody and just try to reset this thing and start again. And here's the thing. You can do it all you want to, and you, I don't care what website you get them off of. If you don't change what you are doing, it's going to be the same way in another six months or, or when the attraction wears away or, or when the lust dies down. Whatever it is, you're going to face the same things you face. Show me somebody been married five times. I can just about show you a common thread that runs through it. It just got quiet. I don't know who's been married five times and who ain't, so I'm not even going to go look now. I would just simply say we've probably all got some culpability in it. Are you with me? So I made a vow about my marriage, and so I'm going to tend to that vow. It's a vow before God. I, I, I didn't just, um, how many of you think that vow means something? What if I showed you in the Bible that it means more than you think it means? Brothers, pay attention to this. In Malachi, Chapter 2, verse 13, 14. I want to read the New Living Translation. Here's another thing you do. This is the, the word of the Lord speaking. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning because he pays no attention to your offerings, basically your offerings and your prayers, and does not accept them with pleasure. He says, you cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I tell you why, because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young, but you have been unfaithful to her, though she remains your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Now, that could go either way. Y'all hear how quiet it is? That means we're gaining some traction, baby. That means somebody is feeling what the preacher just said. Or what God just said through uh, Malachi there. I've heard people say, well, Pastor, I don't need that piece of paper. God, everybody knows I love her. Yeah, that's called shacking up. It's quiet, ain't it, baby? <laughs> Woo! I paid my tithe to your church. Praise God for you. But I got to tell you the truth. The truth is if you love her, marry her. If you love him, marry him. I know. The world says friends with benefits, baby. No, the, the Word of God says that's fornication. And then if we do it outside of marriage, it says that's adultery. I'm just trying to be real with you. Marriage built to last. Let's get it right. Let's build it on the Word of God. And you know the thing about the Word of God is it lays out the strings just like you're laying out a building. And we cannot move the string to the work. We have to move the work to the string. That is the standard. And the Word of God is the standard. And I didn't write it, and I can't change it. I just have to share it with you. So if you want a marriage built to last, and I believe you do, we got to say, devil, you can't have my marriage. Why? Because I made a vow to God, and I made a vow to my spouse. And so... I got a feeling I'm probably going to be doing some weddings next month. <laughs> That's okay. I don't care. We'll do a mass wedding. If you're living in sin, man, we'll get it right. I mean, if that's who God has given you. Um, it's a vow that counts on difficulty. I want you to understand the, the word for marry in the Greek is gameo, G-A-M-E-O, gameo. And, and marriage ain't no game, though. But that word literally means gem, not J-I-M, but... Uh, <laughs> G-E-M, like a diamond. And so the root literally means to fuse something together like a welder would take two pieces of metal and bond them together. And the Bible says what happens when we get married, here we are and here she is, and God fuses us together. Y'all hearing me? 
Uh huh. So it's our house. It's our money. It's our possessions. It's our children. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Y'all getting a little quiet on me. You see, the same materials in a chunk of coal are in a diamond. The only difference are the elements of time and pressure. And let me say this. When you get married, you're going to deal with some time and pressure. Huh? I've got um, 32 years in the war. I mean, in marriage. <laughs> I'm only two. I have 32 years in. 32 years. I can't believe I look in the mirror sometimes and say, what have you done with Mike Sands? You know, Kelly ain't changed a bit. People tell her that all the time. You look at us, you know. Anyway, I'm going to leave that just right there. But, but there has been some times, you know, time and pressure. I, last week we took our grandkids to Wild Adventures, and I, I drove by a house that we built in, uh, I can't remember, it's been 30 years ago. Beautiful little house, five miles from Wild Adventures. Just beautiful. And I remember when God called me to go pastor in Claxton, Georgia. We sold that seven-month-old house to go to a falling down single wide trailer that rained inside when it rained outside, when the bathtub would separate from the floor because the floor was rotted out and there were cigarette burns all over the carpet and the linoleum in the floor. And I had to take my wife from this beautiful home that I had just built on half acre of land to go live in this dump To pastor a whole church full of people, every one of them pretty much lived in a trailer too. So you can't get up and say, man, this trailer is sorry. You can't say that. Time and pressure. I said, honey, in one year, God will bless us and the church will be strong enough. We'll build something else. Year came and I didn't have that all together. I wasn't quite the preacher I thought I was. And, but 18 months later, 18 months later, we built a brand new or we bought a brand new double wide and all that stuff and made a new parsonage and I'm simply saying there was time and pressure. Don't you think I ever heard that about the beautiful home we just left to go do what you say is the will of God for our life? And I just thank God I had a wife willing to say I'll go because you said that's the will of God for our life. Not only there but then to come here and some of the hardships that came along with that time and pressure hardships man it's a so it's a vow that counts on difficulty so my friend don't go into it blindfolded go into it knowing there's going to be difficult moments that don't mean you throw it away that means you go back to your knees together that means you read the word of God together that means you take her on a, uh, a vacation somewhere or him on a vacation that you do something and work on your marriage oh well, go ahead and praise the Lord. Um, so, so it is also not only a vow before God and, and to her, and, and all, it's a vow for life. Oh, by the way, I cannot remember the dates, but we have a marriage retreat that's coming later this year, and I'm excited about it. I'm stoked out about it. They've been working on it. And I'm just not at liberty to tell you, but there will be a limited number of slots available for that. But we are, we are stoked about it, and, and we'll talk more about it in the days to come before this series is over, actually. So, so secondly, you've got to say this. Not only is it a, a vow that I made to God and to her and all that goes with that, it is uh, that I believe in this vow. I believe in this marriage. So you see, marriage is honorable, Hebrews 13, 4. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed is undefiled. You married, knock yourself out. The bed is undefiled. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers, the bed is undefiled. 
That's when you and your spouse. He said, let every man have his own wife. Let every woman have her own husband. Are you with me? Now, that don't go for anybody else. Huh? But once you are married, that is one of, you want friends with benefits? How about a wife with benefits or a husband with benefits? Once you are married, the Bible says marriage is honorable in all. Matter of fact, look, while I'm here, uh, 1 Corinthians, Kelly said this is the most scripture I know in all of it. But 1 Corinthians chapter 7 says once you get married, ladies, you don't even have power over your own body, but your husband does. Ooh. Ooh. I felt that one bounce back. And it said, husbands, you don't have power over your own body, but your wife does. Mm. And then he says, watch this. He says, um, and defraud ye not one another. You want me to interpret that for you? He said, don't withhold sex from one another, except you both agree for a season of prayer. Y'all with me? So if one of you don't agree, still got to have sex. Defraud you, what, defraud you not one another except with consent. You both consent that we're going to pray for the next three days and just believe God. We're going to fast and pray. And then come together again lest Satan tempt you. What he's saying is, what Paul's saying is somebody else is going to meet those needs for him or for her. But let me just say this. If, if, if ladies, if you done got him so wore out, ain't nobody else going to, what's he going to do? Huh? Brothers, if you're taking care of all the needs for her, Adam, you better come to the piano. This is something. <laughs> I believe in my marriage. Hey, let me tell you something. The world has perverted sex. You know that? Now, I know there was a time when I grew up in church, you couldn't even say pregnant in church. Man, it'd knock you out. You couldn't even say sex. I mean, I don't even know if you could even read from Song of Solomon when he talked about, you know, rejoicing with the wife of thy youth and let her breast satisfy thee at all times. Some of y'all said, this is my church right here. I'm telling <laughs> you. didn't even know that Solomon described his lover in such ways, and she described, oh, man, better be here next week. The world may joke about it. I'm going to say, the world is the one that has perverted and used sex as a selling tool for every product out there. But God didn't intend it that way. You see, I believe in my marriage, it's not just a good idea, it's a God idea. Marriage is God's idea. God thought of it. He describes the, the, the parameters. Society needs it. You see, um, before governments and nations and laws or even churches was built, God built the family unit and called it marriage. Amen? That's what he did. God did that. And so he, he builds the church, which is so precious, out of, out of families, husbands and wives and sons and daughters. You see, I need, I, I need my marriage. I don't know about you, but marriage was created to complete. The Bible says God looked at man after he created him, and he says, it ain't good for him to be by himself. God knew I didn't need to be doing that for by myself. Right? So the Bible says God created him a helpmate. Right? He put Adam to sleep and he reached into his side and took a rib from his side and created a woman, brought her to man and says, this is woman. Bone of bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. And God gave me a helpmate. So then you got to say this as you stand with me. Pastor, I'm willing to fight for my marriage. So many people aren't willing to fight 
saw an advertisement one time that said, wedding dress for sale, worn once by mistake. Um, I'm willing to fight for my marriage. Let me say this, my friends, marriage is not disposable. Here's what Mark said, Mark 10 and 9, wherefore that what God has joined together, what God has fused together, welded together, let no man pull asunder or put asunder. See, it did not surprise God that Kelly fell in my lap in the fifth grade. That's right. True story. She leaned over to pick up a piece of paper that had fell, and she leaned too far, got over center, and there she was, right in my lap. Science class, sure enough, fifth grade. She hated my guts. I thought it was pretty cool, though, you know? <laughs> and then she forged a friendship with my sister. I didn't know what God was up to, but God put that all together with me and Kelly getting together, high school sweethearts, newer in elementary school. But what I'm saying is this, God knew her before I did. He knew your spouse before you did. And I want to tell you something, she is part of my identity now. You can't even call my name without thinking about her. <laughs> Wherever I go in ministry, they're going to think about her. Whatever I do, if you call my name, there it is. If you call her name, there I am. So he brought us together. He joined us together. She is tied to my identity. So I have to be careful that I don't dishonor her and she don't dishonor me. And you got to understand this. Your marriage is worth fighting for. There's a wife in Houston, Texas who used her Mercedes Benz to run over her adulterous husband. Video and autopsy both testified to the fact that she ran over him numerous times. Her defense was, I was trying to hit his SUV. The problem was his SUV wasn't banged all up. He was. What I'm saying is, you know, we're going to be guilty of doing things in our marriage. Sometimes you say words that you ought not say. I've said words that I ought not say. She said words that she ought not say. Yeah, and we're all guilty of it. But we got to recognize it for what it is. There's things that we'll do sometimes that we should not do, that we ought to stop. We ought to ask God to help me stop that now so that I can reinforce my marriage. My marriage is worth guarding. It's worth working on. It's worth getting better. It's worth investing my time. Let me say this. It is worth taking a day off if you need to take a day off to finally fix some things and get it straightened out. Money ain't everything. She was with me when I didn't have none. Ain't got much now. Huh? After you get four kids and five grandkids. <laughs> you with me? Say amen. But I want you to know this. I didn't come this morning to solve all your marriage problems. I come to give you a starting point so that you can start working on them. Let's pray together. Father, I just ask you right now for every man, woman, boy, or girl. If there's somebody here today and they're struggling in their marriage, the first and foremost thing I believe, Lord, is that we put you first. So having said that, if there's anybody here right now that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want to urge you to accept him because he wrote the marriage contract. And if you know him, it's a whole lot easier to fulfill the, the deal. So if there's anybody here, first of all, say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to know that great man. I need to know Christ as my personal Savior. Is there anybody? 
How about you, sir, man? All right. Let me pray for your marriages. Father, right now, I want to thank you for every marriage that's represented here now. I'm asking you, Lord, would you touch, touch every man in this room right now. Help him, Lord, to love and honor and cherish his wife as he does his own self and as Christ does the church. Lord, touch every woman, God, that is here, every wife that is here right now. Lord, may she honor and respect her husband and, and submit to him in the authority um, that, that God has granted to us. May we run our marriage the way God would be pleased with. Lord, may we as husbands put a special price, a, a special premium on time with our spouse. May, may we understand that God is first. Our spouses are second and our children are third and our church is fourth. Biblical priorities, Lord, may we understand. God, if there's one person here that hadn't been doing right by their spouse, Lord, if there's one person here that has let things interfere with their marriage, if there's one struggling right now with outside influence, maybe somebody else has turned their head, maybe someone else is trying to cut inroads into a family, whether it's for him or for her, in the name of Jesus, Lord, by your spirit, give them the power right now to stop and halt that in the name of Jesus. Nothing good comes of it. So I pray right now for every marriage, make them strong in Jesus' name. Give us, Lord, the, the grit to say, I have got to work on my marriage. I've, this is important. It's a vow that I made to God, a vow that I made to her. I want it to be built to last, and it will not happen by accident. Amen. Can you give the Lord praise right now?